Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm, and I just got back from the spring game, uh, the end of spring practice. What a day. Um, today, we're going to be talking about everything that happened on the field. Um, there, there were some comments after, um, but honestly, I have enough that I want to talk about, and i didn't take notes during the press conference and we're still waiting for the video to get sent out and we start our draft show up again today in three and a half hours so here's here's the plan today i'm gonna go through all of my notes from watching a spring game and honestly it might be a kind of long podcast because i have a lot of notes and i have a lot of thoughts then over the weekend I'm going to uh, have a chance to go back through everything that everybody had to say um, because a lot of people were talking today and to go through Carl Durrell, Brendan Lewis, um, John Van Deest, and Colby Purcell. It's a lot on top of the thoughts that I already have. And uh, the next two months are wide open. So the plan is going through all my notes today. On Monday, we will go through um, some of what they had to say. I'll also go back and rewatch the spring game because... Watching uh, football once. Today was my first time in a football stadium watching football since the end of the 2019 season. Since the, the, the I guess that was that Utah game was the last one. Um, crazy. And the last time at Folsom, I guess would have been like a couple weeks before that. So it was pretty cool. And I do, I, I feel like I have some good notes and some good thoughts. At the same time, you know, there's things like, uh, I think Montana Lamonius Craig had uh, had a catch on a crossing route. It was a nice pass from JT, um, but he was wide open. And so that opens up questions like, uh, was there a, a receiver cutting across underneath who, who or like a, a threat in the slot? And that's where the linebacker was kind of like pulling down to. And that's why there was some space back there. Um, if that's it, then who was the linebacker? You know, so there, there's a lot more to be gained Going back and rewatching and rewatching and rewatching, and we're gonna talk about more spring game stuff, more notes that I have on Monday, because I'm sure there's things that I did not see on the first time through. Really excited though, and we're gonna jump into all of that right after I tell you about the Colorado XOs. Uh, not only are the Colorado XOs the presenting sponsor of this podcast, they're also a rugby team, a five and one rugby team that. Uh, those were their first six games ever. Uh, they're taking athletes from other sports, teaching them how to play rugby, hoping to get them onto the U.S. national team, which trains in the same facility in Glendale, Colorado. Cool stuff. 
Uh, you can follow along with DMVR Rugby on Twitter or the, the podcast or the written content at thedmvr.com. Okay, so there's a, there's a lot to talk about. Um, and we're going to start with the quarterbacks. I mean, that's the that's what's on everybody's mind. I mean, that that is the biggest sample size, I think. I mean, it's definitely the biggest sample size we've seen in Brandon Lewis's career. Ah, uh, I guess what? He he attempted nine passes. I think that's I think that's how many he attempted in the Alamo Bowl. So I guess maybe he played a pretty similar amount of snaps. Uh, JT Shroud, I don't think any of the games he played in at Tennessee, maybe he got up into the teens, but 13 attempts today. Um, again, this is this was a really good look at these quarterbacks, and overall, I was impressed. I was I was impressed. Um, you know, I was talking with uh, uh, Seth Pringle, who's one of the SIDs. Um, he does like a bunch of the women's basketball stuff, women's soccer stuff, um, and we were talking like before all this, and I was like, you know what? I think with with uh, Brendan. I don't expect to see him look like sharp underneath, like like picking the defense apart. I, I think that you expect to see him make a couple of big plays, and if he makes some big plays, you're happy. Well, then what happens? Brendan goes out there and completes eight of his nine passes, only for 62 yards. You know, it, you could see it as maybe just a little bit conservative. Um, but... He looked nice. He looked nice. And, and you know, they, they, the first drive, so he actually was the first quarterback to take the field. And it was actually Joe Davis who was the first running back to take the field. Now, uh, Jarek Broussard did not participate today. We knew that coming in. He's been dealing with that ankle thing. Didn't sound too serious, although it did sound like he'd probably be back by now. I think the fact that he's been out this long was a bit of an upset. But we did know they were going to be very cautious because he he's fine. Jarek Broussard will be just fine without the last week of spring practices. Um... Like I said, though, first drive, Brendan Lewis is in there with Joe Davis, and they start by running just uh, uh, some some little spacing concepts. You know, having five guys go out into routes, and none of them go more than ten yards downfield. And, and I really like that strategy to to start. I mean, to start a game, but also to start something like a scrimmage where you're hoping to build a little bit of momentum for those guys because it is a simple read. And, you know, the, the way or the reason you call that play is because you look at that defense, you see a, a safety in the middle, and you see uh, zone coverage underneath. They're not aligned in man. Maybe you see, like, a linebacker on a receiver or something. Um, and, and if you make that read, and I don't know how much of that is like called on the field or anything like that and maybe there's like a, a man beating concept in there too but when you know the defense is playing most likely like a cover three they've got four defenders underneath five receivers yeah spread them out and i think that that was a, a big part of the game plan especially early on uh, for both brendan and for jt and both looked really good um you know in particular both guys did a very good job getting the ball to the sideline in those situations. Um, the way that the CU defense was covering it for the most part was almost like inside out. And it, that, that makes a lot of sense. It's the toughest throw. You have more time to recover and see if you can make a play on the ball out there. Um, and I think the first one, a couple of those sideline ones, um, were to Keith Miller, who I thought had a pretty nice day. I wonder what the stats are. He had uh, He had three for 30. Um, let's see. What other stats do we have? FD. I don't know what that means. Uh, but yeah, 
three for 30. That's solid. And again, the reason he's averaging 10 yards a catch, most of those short routes going to the sideline, he uses his big frame and they put the balls where they needed to be. You know, those out routes, that is the, the test of arm strength. It's not, I mean, so I guess how far you can throw it is another test, but for the most part, deep balls, like they're, they're 40, 50 yards. And it's more about the touch about dropping in the right place than having a cannon. You do need a good arm to get it there, but it's those out routes where you need to be able to pound the ball on the sideline before the corner can break on it. And both of those guys did well. And I think that my big takeaway is that they can take what the defense gives them. And if that's the offense that the buffs want to run, get the ball in the playmaker's hands. I, I think that you can make it work because you were able to, to do it against a CU team that, or a CU defense that has seen a lot of this stuff before. Um, on top of that for Brendan, of course, there was a, there was a nice scramble in there. Um, for the most part, I mean, I, I don't know that he completed anything too far downfield. See if I can find anything else in these notes. Um, there was there was a great one handed catch from Levante. He it was like a it was a very shallow crossing route. Like he might have even been in the backfield um, when he got thrown the ball, and I didn't see the route. I wasn't looking at him on that play. Um, one of the ones I want to go back and watch. But just reaches out with one hand, snags the ball, pulls it in, um, makes a guy miss, keeps running, goes for twenty two yards. He's an explosive player. He is a very good receiver. Um, oh, and here I found this. There was a Keith Miller 20-yard gain, but again on the sideline, another one of those out routes. Um, the other note on that play was there was a blitzer, came up the middle very fast, and it might have just been a sack. Like He, he pulled up, and it was 50-50. I think he, Brendan probably would have gotten hit while he was throwing. Um, but yeah, and I do. I, I couldn't tell who that was either, but I, I thought it was Robert Barnes. Um, another one, got to go back and watch. Um, anything else from Lewis in here that really stands out? No, not really. Again, he, he did good work. The offense moved well when he was out there. Um, he had a, a nice little scramble. Just, just saw the, the pocket kind of opened up. Um, there was just like a, a big gap in the middle and he took the space that was there and wound up with, I want to say like 12 yards. That is what he provides. He, he made the right read. Um, getting into JT shroud. I think that he maybe was the one who's a little bit more up and down. You know, he, he, the only quarterback to throw a touchdown today was JT shroud. Um, he was nine of 13. 77 yards. Um, passer rating for him is 144.4. Lewis is 146.8. Um, they both they both were good. Um, with JT, again, good picking things underneath. They, they ran fairly similar, similar concepts with both those quarterbacks. Almost like the first play that they ran for both of them, and maybe even the first two were the same. I almost wonder if they were doing both on the same script. Um, and I think both executed well. Um, I will say that with JT, there were a couple of plays where maybe the, his senses in the pocket were not what you would hope for. I think uh, I think it might have been back-to-back plays, or maybe two out of three plays. The first one, the first one, there's uh, the the pass rusher kind of gets the, uh, he's rushing against the right tackle, goes upfield, gets back inside, and he's coming up inside the right tackle now. And it's an opportunity where JT could have 
rolled out around the outside, but instead he kind of just gets even closer to him and it winds up being a sack. Um, and again, the, 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 the right tackle was beat at that point, And I, I think that might've been Gustav who, who did it. Um, but you maybe could have given yourself a chance. And, and right after that, there was one where, and, and maybe it was more than two plays later, but it was pretty, it was pretty close after, um, close enough to make me think like he probably got told like, Leave the pocket there because what happened was both the edge rushers beat the tackles around the outside and and not like beat them bad, but bad enough to say, JT, you got to step up in the pocket. Instead, he kind of leaks out the back and gives them a better angle and they bring him down. Um, So that's something to pay attention to. And again, for the the most part, he was very good. They have that counted as his two sacks all day, Um, which is weird because I think I remember at least one more. No, 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 we got that. So, uh, yeah, I thought that that was, that was a note that I made and you know, it's something to pay attention to because when, when you are more of a pocket passer, you know, he didn't get out of the pocket much at all. Um, which is unlike what happened during the, the scrimmage. Um, so, but when you are a pocket passer, that those those little movements you know you you look at mac jones who's kind of the king of that kind of stuff or at least last year in college football was the king of that stuff um just those 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 quick feet he knows where everybody is and he gives his offensive lineman good leverage and jt again for the most part was very good and it's one of those things like i mean you hear here's an example so i got the there's the baseball video game that just came back to xbox for the first time in like six years or something um and i was really excited about it because i've been able to play a baseball video game in forever and when you play it sometimes when you're batting like you just do dumb stuff like you watch a pitch coming and you're like that is that is two feet outside the zone why did I just swing at that? I knew the whole way, but I swung anyway. And and then sometimes you overcorrect. And it's one of those things where it's like, it's two plays where they looked kind of rough, but are those just two kind of fluky things that got tied together and you can tighten it up? I I think so. Um, but I will say that. Again, though, both those guys look sharp. It's tough to really uh, knock either one of them too much. I think maybe, maybe Shrout got a little bit conservative later on, but, but I guess Brendan didn't push the field he had that 22 yard gain but i think oh the the 22 yard gain his long of the day was Devontae one-handed catch um longest for jt was a 27 yarder which i think i will remember but maybe not um in terms of the receivers oh and i should say the other thing with with the the pocket presence that kind of stuff there was a lot of pressure today. There was a lot of pressure. And we'll get into everything everybody said on Monday, like I said. But uh, one of the things that Colby Purcell said afterward, I asked him, like, how would you evaluate the offensive line today? And he actually gave a pretty short answer. Maybe, like, the shortest answer I've ever heard him give. Um, and he basically said, like, you know, we started slow, but I think we picked it up later on. Um, and, and we were pretty solid later in the practice. And I was like, yeah, that's. I, th- I think that that probably is about right but it was a very slow start the defense was winning on just about every snap um they're giving up sacks early um they the the running game really didn't do much to get going and we'll get into the running backs um 
Joe Davis, the the first play, he should have been stuck four or five yards behind the line of scrimmage. Nice spin to get out of that tackle and winds up picking up six yards. But that's the kind of stuff that the running backs had to do for the for about half the day. For about half the day. Um so yeah, that that the pressure was a problem and they both generally handled it pretty well. Um no turnovers, which is what you want to see. I mean, from the offense. That's the thing about all this is for every bad thing that happens to the offense, at least you hope it's because of a good thing that happened because of the defense, for the defense. Um, let's see. Where do we want to go? Oh, yeah, receivers, receivers. So leading receiver today, Levante Chenault, 3 for 38. Uh, then you've got Montana Lamonius Craig, 3 for 37. You've got Keith Miller, 3 for 30. You've got Dimitri Stanley, 3 for 26. Um, killed Fourier, Fourier, sorry, my, the first time, every time, uh, two catches, 26, Jaylee Stacks had two catches for three, um, one of those is just killed, we'll, we'll go back through, um, and then Pell had one for 10, Arias for eight, uh, Groth for six, Clayton for one, Joe Davis lost one, Alex Fontenot lost three, um, and those, those were how the, the catches broke down. Um, in terms of who's most impressive, again, Keith Miller, he did some good stuff. And let's start with him. So watching him play, he, he's massive. He's massive. And he has a lot of tools. He, he moves really well. He, he catches the ball well for how big he is. I wonder what his future is. And I think we've talked about this before, but when you look at him, you'd say this is a tight end. Now, what does what does that even mean? Like, like, do you want him to maybe play receiver, learn how to play receiver? And then after he gets a season under his belt, like maybe this year, he really does contribute as, I mean, his second true freshman season. And then in his sophomore season, maybe you do say like, okay, we want to throw some stuff in where we can motion you to tight end or into the backfield, or, or some of that kind of stuff. And I think that that could make some sense. You know, there, there were some uh, pretty tight formations today where you bring the receivers in closer to the offensive line. And I think we put Keith Miller there. Again, I, I haven't really seen him block, and that's something I talked with with Justin Guerrero. It's like, he's, he's, playing, he's playing wide receiver, and he's doing a good job. If you put him at tight end, if he can block... Is he just a freak there? Like, I don't know. He's an interesting one just because he has the size to be the, a, a mismatch. And that's, it's not to say he should be a tight end because he can't be a receiver. If if you wanted to put him at tight end, it'd be because he is the sort of matchup nightmare you want from a tight end. Um, he's an, an awesome receiver. He, he's a good receiver right now as a receiver. If you put him at tight end, He's one of the best receivers in the Pac-12. And if he can hold his own as a blocker, use that size to his advantage, well, then you start to say, how do you stop this guy? Um, and I, I do think that at some point that will be a conversation if it hasn't been already. Again, things are so... I mean, you think about what they did with Visca, and that that's not the same type of player. You know, there is a little more length. I'm not sure there's quite as much explosion, um, balance, that sort of stuff from Keith Miller um, and and a bunch of other things because LaVisca Chenault is going to be one of the best receivers in the NFL. I feel really good about that with Trevor Lawrence there. Um, 
But you remember that they did kind of move him around, try to bring him in the backfield, you know, put him at tight end, put him at H back, and just just make the defense think and, and try to ba- build those advantages. And I think what we saw from Keith Miller today was enough to say, yeah, you want him on the field. He, he was productive. He was getting open. He was catching the balls when he had opportunities. So there's some good stuff there. And I think opportunities to, to make him even more of a weapon in this offense. And I, I don't know. I, I've never actually even met him. Like, not. I doubt this is the case. But there's a chance that it's just like, yeah, we, we can't trust him to learn more stuff. And so we are just teaching him receiver. And then maybe we'll tweak some stuff. So it's something to pay attention to. But he did look nice today. Um, Levante, we talked about the one-handed catch. That's that's the the big play. I think he might have had a nice catch on a crosser. Um, some some really good work today on the crossers, and I thought the quarterbacks made good reads, um, finding the open guy, waiting for the defense to to let somebody open, and and being patient despite the pressure pressure that was in their face. Um, you get not many mistakes from the quarterbacks and more than anything, that's what you want to see. Um, who else? Montana Lamonius Craig. He was making some plays. He's somebody who we've been hearing about again, like Keith Miller, like Chris Carpenter, who I don't think we even saw out there today. He must not be active at this point. Um, but with Montana Lamonius Craig, I think he started off with a nice catch I almost want to say it was like in it. Oh, in seven on sevens. I think he had a nice catch in the seven on sevens. Um, and then he, I guess they, they counted him for three for 37. If it, it felt like a little bit more again, he's not the biggest guy. He's not the flashiest, but he's, he's fast. He runs good routes, not like a burner burner, but he's fast, fast enough to, to call him fast. And, and, fairly shifty and has good hands and good range, all that kind of stuff. So another exciting receiver, um, Dimitri Stanley. There was actually a scary scene at one point. He was, uh, I think it was another one of those out routes. Those were really working for Colorado. Um, actually let's, let's pause this for a second to talk about that. I wonder, so, so this defense we've been hearing it's, you want the secondary to play top down and there's a bunch of reasons for that. The biggest ones are that, uh, according to Carl Durrell, tips and overthrows. If the quarterback overthrows the ball, you want a defender back there. Um, those overthrows, an underthrow, you should have a defender under them too, you know, um, at the second level. Um, and tips, obviously, those typically go backwards. But then also just because you don't want to get burned, and if you're behind them, you shouldn't be getting burned. We did see today that maybe that strategy – um, using a lot of like the cover three type of stuff, it did leave them a little bit susceptible because they were dropping those corners back. Um, again, I want to go back and watch to, to have some more details on all of this, but that's my initial kind of read and it's something to pay attention to. Um, I thought for the most part, like Christian Gonzalez played well. He, he, especially in the run game, he made a couple of really nice tackles, um, one-on-one and, that that can be a difference maker. You know, that's the kind of thing that bad teams overlook. They're so focused on, we need to be able to cover this guy. This is your job. We need you to be able to do this, 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 that, that tackling kind of gets lost. And because of that, 
Like he, he gives up five yards on, on the third drive of the game and then gives up, you know, a, an extra seven at some point in the second half. And over the course of the season, that stuff really does add up. Um, and that is a strength of Christians. Um, anything else? Oh, yeah, but Dimitri Stanley, a, a little bit of a scary scene when he was going on one of those out routes and Isaiah Lewis was actually covered and he made a, a, like an aggressive play on the sideline to get the ball away, but totally clean, totally clean. And they wound up their momentum, just carried them into the wall um, in the bleachers. And uh, Dimitri is, he got up eventually just according to Adam. I didn't see him get up. Adam monster tiger used the word popped up. So yeah, I, I, sounds good. But then he did go to the locker room Um Something something to note. Um, but he did look nice out there. He was shifty. Uh, I think Brendan even said, like, he's one of those guys where he's just always open. Um, and I think he, he said, I think he started that by saying the same thing about Vontae. It's like, throw it to Vontae. He'll go get the ball. Um, but good work from Stanley today, too. Um, next leading receiver, Caleb Fourier. He, his big play was, I think it was like a 15-yard gain, but it was a, a ball he caught about two yards downfield. And he might have broken like three tackles. And and those tackles came mostly from I mean, California was probably the third or fourth third tight end today, maybe. And so he was playing against some other third stringers, so that goes in. But when you do see him move out there, it does seem like maybe the game's still a little bit fast, but he's so big and athletic that though he stumbled through the moves he made he got by all those guys and kind of just trucked a couple of them and wound up turning, you know, a two yard catch into a 15 yard gain. And that is, that is worth noting. You know, I I thought he may be more of a speed guy and and we've heard some reports that have made me change my mind on that a little bit. Um, We'll see where he goes. We'll see where he goes. Exciting player for sure though. Um, Anything else? Uh, let's talk about Jaylee stacks and we'll use that to transition into these running backs a little bit. Um, Jaylee got some run today. Jaylee got some run. Um, he caught the ball. I think was to say twice for three yards. It, what really hurt him was that he, uh, let's see if I can find this. Um, let's see. So there's long was six. So that means he lost three on his first catch. And that first catch, he's open, coming out of the backfield, uh, just just a little swing route. Shrout dumps it down to him, and he stumbles and falls. And it's it's kind of crushing for me personally because I really like running backs who just go run guys over. And we've been hearing about um, Jaylee's spring and how he has been one of those guys who can run guys over. Um, and is a lot of fun in space because he he is a little bit shifty too, which apparently is is a new thing that he added to his game according to one of the one of the coaches. I think it, Carl Durrell said that today. The, the shiftiness is kind of new this spring, um, but because of that, you get really excited to see him in space. And we actually did see it that the first scrimmage, um, he it was the exact same play, just a little swing route to the left. And he got upfield and just bowled over guys. And it was a lot of fun to watch. And this time he stumbles, and you're like, oh, that's disappointing. Uh, the, the second catch, though, it's uh, they're at the, probably the 10-yard line, and he runs about a five-yard out route, you know, sneaks up through the line of scrimmage from the shotgun, and then breaks right. 
And, I mean, the linebacker's right there waiting for him to make his break. He makes a quick cut, gets open, catches the ball, and as he's, like, the guy, the guy kind of grabs him and drags him down as he's turning upfield. Um, but it's one of those things where you look at and say, okay, did anybody expect Jaylee Stacks to arrive on campus less than a year ago and now be competing for touches in Colorado's running backs room? Of course not. No. I guess at that time he didn't know about Jared Broussard, but still, you would still say, no, that's that's not what you expect from him um, based on what, what the recruiting profiles say. Um, but he... Uh, he has taken steps. He has taken steps. And if he keeps taking those steps, maybe he can add like that one more tackle. Like like as he's turning upfield instead of just when he's running upfield, when he gets ahead of steam because he was close to breaking it. And that's going to be the thing for him is he's probably not going to be out running many guys, but that doesn't always matter. Um, I think Carl said that he expects him to have a role this year. Or maybe I think he said that before. Or no, Darian Hagen said that on Wednesday, and then somebody else mentioned him getting touches. It must have been Darrell today. Nobody else would have talked about that. Um, but overall, I was I was excited by what I saw from Jay Lee. Um, he ran the ball twice for five yards. He got a touchdown in there. Obviously, goal line work, most of it. Good stuff. Looking protection, I thought, as well. Um, the rest of the running backs. Leading rusher. Ashad Clayton, five carries, 40 yards. Where to start with Ashad? He, uh, you know, we talked yesterday about how he, he's strong. We know he's strong, and he should be able to run guys over because he is a very strong runner. How much speed does he have? How elusive is he? What does that burst look like? Um, what I'll say is he is very strong. We saw that. Um, he, if, if he gets hit one yard downfield, he's getting you two, three more, and it's going to take two or three guys to bring him down. There aren't many people who can tackle that man all by themselves. On top of that, I, I was pretty happy. You know, when, when he was playing later on and, and a lot of the starters on the defense were out there, that's when you start to see him toy with guys a little bit more. Um, and again, he, uh, what was it? Five for 40 an eight yard per carry uh, average as long was 24. Um, so, uh, some of that is because he's going up against other talent. You know, there was one run, like a stretch run to the right when he was going against the number one defense where you looked at it and said, hey, Jarek Broussard gets that edge fast. He cuts up field and it could be a pretty big gain. A shot isn't like slow. He just isn't Jarek Broussard. And when he gets to that edge, he has a step on a linebacker but that step on the linebacker as soon as you cut up field that kind of disappears he makes contact like two yards upfield and Ashad's strong enough to turn that into a five-yard gain and you know that's that that's kind of the question is those stretch runs those tosses in the passing game can he just outrun guys and again I, I saw about what I expected good speed He's somebody who, you know, you look at and say he he does have a very real shot at the NFL. Um, the, the, the recruiting hype makes a lot of sense seeing him on the field. To be one of the very best, I think he might need to, to just get a little bit more explosive. But even at the same time, I mean, 
you, you look at the runs between the tackles. You know, he finds a hole. He's patient. He, he's usually patient. You know, there's plays where he gets in there and there's he kind of he almost like even stops after he gets through the line of scrimmage and just follows the space and it works for him. It's not, I mean, I don't want to like compare him to Le'Veon Bell and what he was with the Steelers. Um, but there is some of that just patience and, and just in a really impressive feel for the space around him. Even when it is tight areas, um, he, he works well in those situations and he knows when it's time to say, okay, we we've done what we can do to try to find a crease, a running lane to make this something time to put the head down and turn this into whatever we have now, plus three more yards. Um, and, and that is something that he does really well. Um, and if he could just add a, a little bit of burst and if, if maybe some more of those little jukes work on uh, the starters and not just the, the, the second stringers, that's the difference. That's the difference. And what he's been on campus for, was he, a, I don't think he was here last spring. Um, not that it really matters. Point is, he's he's a young guy. There's a lot of really good football in front of him. I do think that at this point, he and Alex Fontenot, same level. I think that's what I see. Um, Fontenot, by the way, five for twenty-one, solid, over four yards a carry. Um, what was the long there? Eleven. That sounds like an Alex Fontenot kind of day. I think it's you would expect like. 5 for 24 instead of 5 for 21. Um, but long of 11, yep, he's he's similar to a shot in that way. You know, that good feel for space, good balance, maybe not quite as strong, but maybe maybe a little bit more burst. I don't know. Um, overall, though, you know, impressed with the shot, Clayton. They're, they're, he's still growing, though, and that is just fine. Joe Davis. Like I said, he had some nice runs. Um, he got some work early where, again, like Colby Purcell said, the the defense won early on, basically. Um, because of that, he was put in some tough situations. He wound up, what I say, 6-for-25, uh, over 4 yards per carry. I, I mentioned earlier there's a first play. He gets hit in the backfield, spins off the guy, and turns into a 6-yard gain. I think the next play just got buried back there and there's nothing he could do. Um, good stuff. I think the the quicker twitch than I expected. And he uses it well. I think that he's another guy who he should he should be getting touches. Now, with all the other guys out there, somebody's going to be in a tough spot. You know, Carl said today, uh, whoever is the hot guy, he's going to be getting the bulk of the work. And that's just how it's going to work. So we'll see. Um, also on the running backs, Charlie Offerdahl. Five carries, 20 yards, a touchdown. He ran so hard. And again, Charlie Offerdahl, he's a, he's a freshman. Um, I, I tweeted like, you know, he runs really hard. Sometimes it doesn't matter because he's a 185-pound freshman. Um, and he's just going to get hit and knocked backwards anyway. But he, I, you like the effort, and it worked for him occasionally. And occasionally, like, he, he, he's pretty quick. He can make some little moves. I think they might have just pounded the ball with him three times before he got that touchdown. He got in eventually. He got stood up a couple of times beforehand. Hey, he's a freshman, and he's working hard. And there's, 
what do you say? He's he averaged five yards a carry, four yards a carry. Can't be disappointed in that. Um, in his first spring game. Um, offensive line, like I said, I that's one where you just need to go back and watch. They 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 got beat, they got beat, but they definitely won some snaps. Um, and they turned it into a, a close loss to the defensive line. Um, we'll leave it at that and I'll go watch more because it's just kind of tough to off the top of my head say where all the pressures came from because there were a lot of them. Uh, this is actually probably a good time for a quick break. And by doing that, I'm going to see oh, 35 minutes into this podcast already. So maybe we can make this a quick one. We'll see. First of all, uh, DMVR, uh, there's a bunch of cool stuff. If you want to become a member, you can read the written content at thedmvr.com. Right now, there's an awesome, awesome special. Uh, so if you get an annual membership, you can get a free DNVR shirt. Your choice. There's like a cool, there are a couple. There's a few now. The Pride and Tradition shirt is my favorite buff shirt, but there's a few buff shirts now. Um, is that my still? Is that my new favorite? Ah, that Cry Nebraska kid is really good. Both both of those. One of those two is probably my favorite. Um, you do get that. You also get a Recover Holistic Stick from Holistic Wellness. Holistic Wellness is a CBD company. They do great work. Again, just check out the reviews for all these guys, um, and you will see why people like them, why we like partnering with them. Um, the stick that they send has 10 milligrams of CBD. You just pour it in your drink. You stir it around. You drink it, and then boom, it's in you. This one's focused on recovery. There are others there for like digestion or sleep or all sorts of different stuff, uh, which you can also check out if you go to holisticwellness.com. And that's holistic, spelled with a K, H-O-L-I-S-T-I-K, wellness.com. Use the code DMVR30, get 30% off your first purchase. It's a great deal. Also, if you want to get the membership with DMVR, you'll also get a coupon for Holistic Wellness in case you try it and want more, which you probably will. Next up, I want to tell you about the best beef that you can buy. Um, Hassle Cattle Company is really the best option for Wagyu beef. Um, they call it their beef, the uh, blue collar Wagyu. And the reason is because it is the best beef that any man or woman can afford. Um, they have a whole bunch of different products. Uh, the beef bacon, Wagyu Frank without any fillers, smoked sausage, New York strip, couple of different jerky flavors. Also, their hamburger one Food Network's Northeast Burger Cham Jam. Not Cham. That doesn't make any sense. Um, if you want to try that burger, by the way, you can actually come to the DNVR bar. We now have Hassle Cattle Wagyu Beef. I, I hate seeing that they wrote how to write Wagyu because I'm an idiot and I'm the only one who couldn't pronounce it right. Um, but yeah, uh, so you seriously can come down and just get that. I, I still actually haven't had it. Maybe I'll do that tonight after the draft. I'll go get a burger down there. Wagyu burger. Sounds so good. Um, we couldn't resist putting it in there. You can build your own delicious burger, add all the toppings you want. Um, it's a great way to spend an evening or an afternoon or... Honestly, there isn't a bad time for a Wagyu burger. Uh, if you guys want to check out their products, they seriously are really good. They'll ship it straight to you. It's it's super convenient. You can go to HassleCattleCompany.com, H-A-S-S-E-L-L, CattleCompany.com. Use the promo code DMVR10 for 10% off your order, and uh, you get free shipping too. So definitely check that out. Also... 
I said that slow because I'm scrolling. DraftKings Sportsbook is the place to go for all of your betting. You know what? Those are needs. Betting is a need for all your betting needs. Um, So many awesome things. I mean, the, the draft has been a lot of fun. Actually, Dre yesterday. Dre got so hot. And, and Ryan, too. Not because Ryan actually made good bets, but because Ryan just copied everything that Dre did. Um, and, and Dre, he studies everything, obviously. And he, I think he was 9 of 10. Plus, he had like three other long shots. And one was like, here's the exact order of picks three, four, five, and like stuff like that that were like crazy odds. Um, threw some flyers out there. I think he might have actually got one of those. But the, the point is, he went 9 of 10. And some of them, I think four of them were plus money. One of them was like over two and a half Pac-12 players to be drafted in the first round. And the the third Pac-12 player, which hit the over for him, was Joe Tryon from Washington going number 31 overall. Um, but, I mean, that one was like plus, I think, 280, which means if you bet 10 bucks, you they, they give you your 10 bucks back plus 28 other dollars. It's always weird to explain that stuff. Um, but yeah, so many fun bets there. Um, those are going to keep going all weekend. Definitely check all that stuff out. Uh, and we're so close to the playoffs for basketball, for hockey. Hockey in particular is going to be a lot of fun. I'm starting to get real fired up about these hockey playoffs. It actually just kind of hit me today. It just kind of hit me today that it's time to lock in. It's time to start paying attention to the matchups, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think, I'm not sure. I think the abs are still the favorite and they, they kind of hit a little slump, but it's because they had COVID and first they had to go on pause and then they have their players and all that kind of stuff. I'm not worried about it. Uh, that would be my advice is take, take the abs to go win a championship. And that's going to be at the very least a lot of fun. Cause they're going to get real close if they don't win it. Um, if you want to sign up for uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, you should absolutely do that. Um, but you should also know you must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, um, and you can – oh, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. There you go. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, they do really good stuff. Um, On to the defense now. Again, I – it's, it's hard. There's so many things to watch. Um, and when the, the story is the quarterbacks, what you typically do is like watch the receivers, see who's getting open. And then you're like, hey, he's open. And they're like, well, wait, the ball went the other way. Today that didn't happen all that much. Um, but when you're watching things develop downfield, you miss what's happening in the trenches. When you're watching the trenches, you miss what's, ha- not, what's happening somewhere else. And it's just one of those things. To be honest, I couldn't tell you exactly who was disruptive and who was, you know, kind of following the rest of the guys. Um, I can say Josh Gustav was in the backfield consistently. He wound up with a couple of sacks, um, one of them on third down. Um, the other sack was Justin Jackson. So that's uh, good to know as well. Um, who else was solid? I mean, really... It just felt like all those guys. Um, was there one more who stood out? Not really. It, it was kind of just they were they were creating pressure. I need to go back and watch and see who exactly. Um, linebackers, though, this is a fun one. Um, the inside linebackers is really fun. So let's start. Let's start with Robert Barnes. 
Um, so this was the first time that I really got to watch Robert Barnes play. Um, and I have a lot of thoughts. Um, first of all, he's bigger than I thought. You know, when you see him out there, you think, or yeah, like, like you expect him to be something between a linebacker and a safety. He looks like a linebacker. That man is a linebacker. Um, which is, which is a good thing because you know, if the question was, you know, you know, he's a good athlete and is capable of a lot. What happens? Does he get lost in the wash in the run game? Like the, the, that was one of my questions. I think that getting lost in the wash is still a concern, but not because of a lack of physical tools. Um, I think it just kind of takes some time to see the game from that position versus where he was before at safety at Oklahoma. Um, and again, you watch him in coverage and to be honest, I was a little bit disappointed in that. Although again, I didn't expect the size, the physicality, and that definitely balances out in my book. Um, but watching him, you know, for example, like there was a play where there, there was a little crossing route, uh, just a, an underneath crossing route from, uh, it was Montana Lamonius Craig is who it was. And Robert Barnes was right there. He's right in stride with him. Um, but he doesn't, like, make a play on the ball. He's – Lamonius Craig is able to kind of reach up, and, and it's a really good catch to get it. But he's able to get the catch against Robert Barnes. And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, in that situation, I thought that as a former safety that that would be the type of play that he shuts down. Um, which – Again, maybe maybe that was a, a tough rep for him. Um, not that he was like in a bad spot anyway. It was he made him make a good catch. He had his back turn. He didn't put his hand up. You know, um, I, I I have a lot of thinking to do about Robert Barnes, and I'm excited to go back and watch him in particular because he didn't do the things that I expected him to do, and he did some things that I didn't expect him to do. Um, I still do think that when you look at him. You like him in coverage. You you like him in coverage in whatever five months. Right now, you see what the coaches are saying. You know there was so much hype early on about Robert Barnes because of the tools, because of of the hitting, because of all those things. And we heard from Mark Smith, the inside linebackers coach, like yeah, he's taken really big steps. He's maybe taken more steps than any of the other inside linebackers in camp. It's worth noting he may have started a little bit behind, or he did start behind. That was a statement. He did start behind the other guys. And so maybe it was more catching up and not so much running away as it felt like when we're hearing all that hype in the first couple of weeks. Um, I still do think that the combination of him and John Van Deest is, is a good one for that second inside linebacker spot. And I think, I think either one of those guys could be ready to take a step. You know, do we talk about it yesterday? I think we talked about it yesterday. How you have Carson Wells at outside linebacker on one side, and on the other side you have Guy Thomas, you've got Jamar Montgomery, you've got Josh Gustav. They they all have a little bit different strengths, um, a little bit different weaknesses, but you're happy with all three of those guys because you know you can piece them together and put a put a solid product out there. On on top of that, you have three guys who are at a point where they're only a step away from being a really good player. You know, if if Joshka, if you know, he had two sacks today. That he, he may be ready to be one of the the best sack artists in the Pac-12. 
I I think that there's a better chance that it's going to take another year, two years, and there's a real chance that he doesn't become that guy. You know, with all the positive reports we've heard for a couple of years now, you have good feelings going forward. But now I'm starting to feel kind of similar about the inside linebacker position. I do think that with Robert Barnes, there's some upside. Um, we saw the speed today, and and the speed is more downhill than I think maybe I realized. I I want to go back and watch to see if he was shiftier, um, moving backward, uh, and just how fluid he is when he is in coverage. Because because he does seem like he's a very linear athlete at this point, um, and and it works for him too. You know he. Let's see, I, I should check my notes on and not screw this up, but off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure it was the second play. It was the second play, because remember I said Joe Davis, he spins out of the whatever on the first play, turns into six yards, second play gets blown up, that's Robert Barnes, who comes out and blitz up the middle and just bang. He he hits him, he hits him. Um, and, and I'm pretty sure there were some other blitzes, and again, it's tough to see everything, but I think they were Barnes, they were nice too. Um... And by the way, I love that stuff. Like the, the the aggression that the defense can play with, it's 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 unique. It it sets Colorado apart from a lot of other football teams. And I think that when you look to the success that that defense had last year, a lot of it has to do with how aggressive they were. Um, everybody trying to penetrate, sending Nate on all those blitzes. You know, everybody talks about Nate's stats, which they absolutely should because he put up crazy numbers. Oh, that doesn't happen if they aren't sending him on blitzes up the middle, you know, and, and to blitz, you have to have, you gotta have some stones. You gotta have some stones and you like seeing them have success being that aggressive, trusting the corners to, to handle their business so that they can commit more defenders to, to getting after the quarterback. And it, it has worked for them during the spring when I've seen them, according to reports the, from the coaches as well. And, when we saw them on the field in 2020. Uh, so that is really exciting. Um, yeah, I think that's most of my thoughts on Barnes. Um, excited. I am excited. But now I'm more like curious. And I, I honestly, I just want to see more. And I'm excited to go back and watch. Um, John Van Deest, though. You know, if he, when when Robert Barnes was flying in there. I mean, here's here's his thing. The, the first play, Joe Davis spins out of the tackle. Turns into a six-yard gain? Well, guess what? It's John Van Deest who brings him down. I'm kind of shocked to see he only has five tackles because it really felt like just about every tackle they were calling his name. And I guess I think he had like two of the first three. And I, I did hear that he may have like tweaked something in, in his leg just a little bit. Doesn't sound serious in any way at all. Um, but he was on the sideline. And now that I think of it, he really wasn't playing all that much late, I don't think or at least i can't remember another thing to go back and watch so maybe maybe that's why the tackle numbers aren't as big as they felt like they were going to be i thought it was going to be something crazy when i opened these stats um he looked good though john looks good um and we'll get into more of this on monday because he spoke with the media today and uh carl durrell i mean carl durrell raved about what john van deese has done this spring uh, for for a bunch of different reasons, you know, as as a leader, kind of stepping up and being the guy with uh, Nate Landman gone, getting guys into position, thinking about that kind of stuff. Um, but also, I mean, the improvement in coverage came up again. Um, the the confidence playing the run game, 
came up um, trusting himself to know his play. And, and see, like, that's the thing. And, and sure, you know, Robert Barnes, he's faster, I would say, than uh, John Van Deest. I'm confident saying that. At the same time, there's a difference. You, 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 the, 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 what matters is how fast you are on the field. And you play fast if you're confident that you know what you're doing. And if you're sitting back there hesitant, then all of a sudden you lose a step or two. And Robert Barnes, he is not hesitant, I don't think. And, and maybe this was a bad example because of that. But John, now it sounds like maybe he's, he's looking faster just because he's, he's processing quickly and going where he needs to go and doing so fast because he, he trusts that he's right. Um, he's not waiting to be like, oh, no, hopefully he doesn't cut back. He's going and getting the ball. And, and I was impressed with what I saw today. You know, the, the question now, I, John Van Deese is going to be a part of this rotation. He has he, he, he's basically proven that during spring that he is one of their best options. And, you know, it's one of those things where we're talking to Mark Smith on Wednesday, the inside linebackers coach. He said, we want to rotate five to six guys at that spot. If we don't have five to six guys who are good enough to go on the field, we'll rotate two to three guys. I think when you, you've got Nate Lamon, you've got John Van Deest, and you've probably got Robert Barnes, who are, are those two to three. And if anybody else can get into the conversation, they get into the conversation. Um, any other final thoughts here? I mean, with, with, with John, it's, it's time to, to, to kind of go do it, you know? If, if you're going to be that guy, then go be that guy. You know, go make some plays. Go go get the running back in the backfield. And by all accounts, he has taken strides. Um, again, Ben mentioned as one of the up-and-comers in camp, somebody who really improved. And he talked about that today, too. He said, I mean, with, with Marvin Ham, with Quinn Perry, with Nate Lamb in sidelined, he's been getting a lot of reps. And it, her, it, it's been wearing on him. It's been wearing on him. At the same time, he, when he was talking with us, said he's very thankful that he's been able to get those reps because it means that when he makes a mistake, he has more opportunities to learn from that mistake, to fix it. And because of getting all those opportunities this spring, he feels like he is much more advanced as a player at this point. And again, he was, he was an important piece of that defense today. It's going to be so much fun in the fall. It's going to be so much fun because there's, a, again, a chance that like, there's games, I guess, I don't think they play Stanford this year, but when you play teams that want to go just a little bit heavy, and you can throw Nate, Robert Barnes, and, and John Van Deest behind Jalen Sami, Terrence Lang, you know, the defensive line, they, they need guys to step up at this point. But you could, Carson Wells, of course, going downhill, I, I think that there could be some pretty cool things happening. Um Anything else from the linebackers? Again, I was watching the quarterbacks. <laughs> I was watching the quarterbacks for the most part. Um, what else do we want to go over here? Who got the pass breakups? Oh, one of them. This this should have come up earlier. Steel Dubar. Have you heard of that name? Did, did you know that Steel Dubar was even a person's name? Because that's one that could have got you. Uh, he is a safety for Colorado. And he made, I think, uh, it, it, either we were talking about the press box. Either either Vontae's catch, the one-handed catch, or what Steele Dubar did 
was the play of the day. What Steele did was uh, it was it was a bad read by the quarterback. One of the few mistakes we saw all day, and I'm pretty sure it was Shrout. Um, he, he threw a little swing route to his running back, something we saw a, a decent amount of today, that, that check down, which is so, so, so important to good offenses. You know, the ability to turn good coverage downfield, coverage where you say, hey, we can't complete a pass, into, oh, look, there's Ashad Clayton in the flat. Let's give him the ball a yard behind the line of scrimmage two yards, three yards behind the line of scrimmage, see what happens. And usually good things happen, and I'm really excited to see more of that. Point is, though, there was one play shouldn't have actually thrown the ball to the flat because Steele Dubar was a man on a mission, and he planted that running back into the ground. And I was so caught up in it, I didn't even see who the running back was. The ball popped out. Cool stuff. Oh, that reminds in terms of cool things, the coolest today, of course, was Curtis Appleton and Matt Lynch getting added to or to, to getting scholarships getting scholarships um it was just a, a graphic a really let me say a very good graphic that they put up on the scoreboard they did it like i think they they did like this whole drills like one-on-ones I, I i don't actually know what it was and maybe they said it on the broadcast but it was like one-on-one offensive line versus defensive line um then it was one-on-one and it was uh I can't remember what the second was. The third one... Oh, no, the second was Ashad Clayton. It was Ashad Clayton running a route against... I think it was Alvin Williams. Um, but just just a one-on-one. And actually, Ashad, Ashad cooked Alvin Williams. And and all, all due respect to Alvin Williams. I don't know how you come back from something like that. Ashad, he, he, it's, like, it's like a four-yard route, probably. Runs up. Takes one step left, cuts out to the right, and just loses him. Uh, catches the ball. Everybody goes crazy. And then from there, there's like a, a tight end versus linebacker, Matt Lynch. Um, and he couldn't haul it in. Uh, Daniel Arias versus Christian Gonzalez. Um, Arias got a half step. Ball was, I mean, the ball was where it needed to be. The ball was where it needed to be. You know, you can't ask for too much more than putting the ball where the receiver has an opportunity to catch it on those deep routes, which is what it was downfield. Um not an easy catch. Arius didn't make the catch. Um, but yeah, there were just those four one-on-ones at different positions. And I wonder if that like decided who got the ball or something like, I, I don't really know because that wouldn't make sense because there's an offense and a defense. Um, but right after that, and before they got into the actual scrimmage, they just put the graphic up on the scoreboard and, uh, it, it like even like, I think took a second for people to, to realize it was up there. And like the team like reads it and says like, ah, Matt Lynch, Curtis Appleton, congrats, you have a scholarship, something like that. Everybody just goes crazy, and that's always really cool. It's Yeah, really cool. Um, and a smart thing for the program, and Carl talked about it after. He said, you know, we want walk-ons to know that if they, if they make it onto our depth chart, if they contribute, we will give them scholarships because that's how you get more good walk-ons. That's how you get walk-ons to choose Colorado over other schools. Um and Matt Lynch, Curtis Appleton, both of them absolutely deserve it. Um, Matt transferring from UCLA, playing tight end, getting thrown into the the number one job with no spring, with a sh- very very short fall to get ramped up for the season. Sure, like it's not like he was setting records out there, but he was filling the role. And doing a solid job doing it. Um, 
cool to see. And and he actually, I, I'm curious to see what he looks like. Because there were points today, I can't remember him during the actual scrimmage, but but there were some other like drills, some seven on seven stuff. Uh, there was one in the scrimmage where, now that I think of it, he's up the seam, he beats the linebacker, and again, the linebacker's close, the ball's high, he gets one hand out, can't pull it in, but you start to see like, okay, he makes that play, all of a sudden you start to look at him differently. Now he didn't make the play, but he was he got a hand on it. If he could just work on pulling that in over the next few months, maybe he's a... I don't know. I, I think right now, when you look at the tight end position, you say, Brady Russell's cool. Brady Russell is a guy you want out there. Um, you're excited about that. Number two, I think, you know, Matt Lynch is a grad transfer who didn't put up big numbers. I, I think he's somebody who isn't, you know, he doesn't necessarily get the respect he deserves. Um, and on top of that, you know, there's guys... Like Caleb Fourier, guys like Louis Passarello, uh, Eric Olson, who you're so excited about because they're they're young and they're fast and they're well known as good recruits and they could be impact players for three four seasons in Boulder, and it's 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 easy to get fired up about those guys instead of about a Matt Lynch, a Matt Lynch who did well and is probably the best tight end out of that group. And not in a landslide. Again, we'll see how things shake out. But good to see him get a scholarship. Good to see him get a scholarship because he earned it. Uh, Curtis Appleton, too. I mean, when Isaiah Lewis was kind of that utility guy last year, but he grew into a starting role, really. Um, And when he did that, Curtis Appleton kind of took his place in a, in a few ways. I think he did some really good work from the star. He, oh, what game did he have that pick in? There was there was there was an interception that was big for some reason, and it might have just been because it was cool to see Curtis Appleton get a pick. But but he's a contributor, and and he has turned into a good football player. And you know if if this was the Colorado defense from three four years ago, he's he might be an important player, which is um. I don't know. It's 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 good to think of stuff like that. Now, I mean, when you go back to the 2016 team, no, he's 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 not a starter there. And when you look at last year's team, this year's team, he's probably not a starter. But I do think you're going to see some Curtis Appleton, and I think you you should be happy to see him out there. And again, just so cool to see those guys get scholarships, especially because I mean, it's tough to imagine what it what it's like going through the recruiting process. When you, you are a football player, that's what you've been your whole life. That's all you want to be going forward. And, again, I wasn't following the recruiting. I guess Matt Lynch is a little bit different story. But for Curtis Appleton, like, he obviously didn't get the perfect opportunity because the perfect opportunity includes a scholarship. And maybe he got offered a scholarship somewhere he didn't want to go or a bad team or group of five instead of power five or FCS, whatever. But to go through something that could not have been easy to go through and succeed. I mean, that's what sports are about. That's what sports are about. And that was the best thing that happened today for sure. Um, wow. We spent a lot of time on that. Um, anything else in here? We can run through the leading tacklers. Here it is in order. Van Deest, Barnes, Gustav, Dubar, Justin Jackson, uh, Gino Macias. Machias, time to learn. He had a good day. Uh, Trustin Oliver, Devin Grant, Curtis Appleton, Lloyd Murray. I think he actually, so so there's one. So they don't have him credited with a sack. 
And one of the... It, it's tough because... I think he might have been the one where, where he got into the backfield but kind of gets pushed up the middle and he's like behind the center running up toward Brendan Lewis and they blow it dead because you're not going to let Lewis get hurt. But then you also think like, well, Lewis was getting around that. that. That guy was not going to pull him down. And so maybe that's why that sack got taken off. And actually talking to Brendan after the scrimmage, he said like the defensive guys are even saying like, eh, I'm not so sure that that was a sack there on some of those. And that is why they only counted three sacks today when the, the whistle was blown at least a couple more times than that. Um, good to see that from Lloyd Murray, though, because, again, there's there's room for defensive linemen to contribute. And, and more than contribute, I, I think start. I think... I, let's uh, Sure, we can dig into this. We've been here for an hour and three minutes. Why not make it longer? Um... Jalen Sami, for example, has all the tools, has made some good plays. Just by being as big as he is, he can clog things up in the middle, and that is a useful thing for him to do. As a really large human, being a contributor on a football team is not all that hard. And if he's out there, again, you're solid. There's room for improvement, though, especially because he has all the tools that he has. You could add more explosion, um, the, the ability to... to I mean, really just get through those gaps instead of clogging them up, them up, get in the backfield. And then once you get there, that, that closing burst to bring guys down on top of that, there's some like technique things that would increase your odds of success doing all that other stuff. Um, and, and again, if, if, if he's your starter for two more years as your nose tackle and he does what he's been doing, you're cool with that. You're cool with that. When you say Colorado's uh, the best defense of the pac 12, why is that? He's not at the top of the list. You know, Terrence Lang, similar in a lot of ways. Um, an NFL body. We've I, I've said that, and after that, Carl Durrell said that, and other people have said that as well. NFL body. And, and we've seen production. We've absolutely seen production. I mean, he had how many sacks last year? But to be an NFL guy, you need to put up 10 sacks. And... It's again, you've got two more years or is, he might actually be a senior this year. Now that I think of it, but if he's a senior, now it's time to kind of do it or not. And again, with what he's doing, you're, you're happy with it. Or is there uh there's more that he could do for sure. There's more he could do for sure. And so I, while I do think that those two are going to be starting just because again, they're, they're safe. They, they will do enough to be worthy of being on the field. Um, whereas Anayim Rodman, a little less proven. Justin Jackson, a little less proven. Lloyd Murray, of course, less proven. And and because of the confidence that the coaching staff can have in, in them to, to do well enough to let the, the guys who have been the, the reasons that Colorado's defense is so good, let them be the star, sure, that's good enough. But if they don't take those steps... That's when you start to say, okay, well, maybe instead of taking, what, 40 to 50 snaps a game, you're taking 30 snaps a game. You know, you're playing about half of them. And if that's the case, then there's room for more of these other guys to, to get into this rotation. Um, and on top of that, that's only two guys when they're going to be starting three. Um, and, and so to, to see somebody like Lloyd Murray make some plays has to be exciting. Um, has to be exciting. And I don't think, 
I don't think Sami, no, Sami and Lang, they, I don't think either of them were out there. Lang was not out there. But yeah, so, so there's some thoughts on the offense or the defensive line as well. Offensive line, tough to even have thoughts um, when they've got Tank out there all the time, which again, he's six foot 10. It's fun to watch somebody who's six foot 10. Also fun to, to see what Frank Phillip is going to do when that's his job. Um, someday he'll be back. I think that that's it for today. Any other thoughts? Oh, we should talk about the kickers. Let's not let's not forget about the kickers. Um, really, not too much to say. There was uh, I thought I thought the punts were a little bit short. They, there were some drills where they had the punter punting from the end zone, like full team, and they they were solid. They were solid. Room for improvement. Room for improvement, though. You're not looking at that and saying, "Wow." We've got we've got the best punter in the conference. No, but again, Josh Watts has been in America for a year, so no reason to think that this is it. This is where he will plateau. Um, Evan Price, I think I, I don't remember seeing too much of him, but there are two plays that really stand out. Um, he made a forty-three yard field goal, the only field goal I think he kicked all day. Um, probably would have been good from forty-five. Dead center though, um, you know that's that's again the 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 knock on Evan Price, the reason why he may not be the kicker, you know, and and that's the with with Cole Becker coming on, that's going to be a really interesting competition, and in a competition where I'm not so sure that there's just a clear winner as much as you're picking which style that you want to roll with, whether you want a guy who probably has a bigger leg, but was was playing high school football a year ago and i think he's from california so he might not have even been playing high school football a year ago it may have been a while since he's played any football um do you want somebody who is more raw and potentially not as accurate in exchange for that extra leg you want a guy like evan price who was was sharp last year outside of the blocked kicks um and what hit one from 43 today i think i can't remember if he said he hit a 47 or 49 yarder in camp as his long when we talked to him last week, but yeah, that's, that's going to be one to watch too. Um, the other, the other thing on Evan, he, uh, their, their kickoff drills that they were doing. The first kickoff was Mac Willis. He kicked it into the end zone and then, uh, Evan price kicked one out of bounds at like the seven. You don't like to see it. And I, does it matter? I I don't even know. I don't know how to talk about kickers. I don't know if that's something where the coaches are like, ah, it was one bad kick. He's been good all all spring. Or if they say, hey, that was that was his first kick in the spring game. We want to see who can win this job. You know, and I hope he's not beating himself up over it. And he shouldn't be because it was one play. That's the thing about kickers, though. They aren't on the field for a whole lot of plays. So that's what went down there. Um, in terms of returners, Christian Gonzalez had a nice little return. That that was kind of fun. Brendan Rice, when he returns the ball, you you just remember the kind of athlete that he is. It, it's tough to forget, but he goes back there and he gets the ball, and they were like kicking toward the far end zone. I was uh I was obviously in the press box, but at like maybe the thirty yard line, and so kicking the other end zone. And the thing is, like as they run towards you, as he runs towards you, he gets bigger. And you're just like, oh, yeah, that's how big he is. That's how fast he is. That's how strong he is. He's a good football player. He's a good football player. 
Um, anything else on returners? Not, not that I can think of. Again, I'm going to be going back and watching all this, and we'll talk more about some of the details that I missed today. A lot more on the defense, probably. I'm realizing I was staring down those quarterbacks after going through this podcast. Um, but, yeah, so stay tuned for that Monday. I'm going to go back through, re-listen, take some notes on what everybody had to say. We'll run through some of those, too. Milk this spring game for all it's worth. And then, I don't know, maybe, maybe Tuesday we talk about the future of the Pac-12. Maybe it's time to power rank all of the teams um, in the Pac-12. Maybe it's time to talk about some basketball. Who's to say? And we've got three, four days to figure it out. Um, I'll be back on Monday talking more about the spring game. I'm sure I'm probably going to have even more to say then and and better things to say. Uh, And uh, I'm excited. Hope you are too. We'll see you then. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.